Good morning, everybody. How are you? We are in a wonderful place in the Word of God. I mean, absolutely. It's just marvelous what, uh, what our Lord allows us to see. We're in the 19th chapter in the book of Acts. And uh, Paul, uh, true to his word, told the people of the 18th chapter, the 20th to 21st verse, I'm sure you remember, he said, they asked him, they begged him, stay with us. Please stay and teach. And he says, no, I, I, I'm not going to stay. But he says, I will return. And remember what he said, if the Lord wills. He says, if the Lord wills, I will return to you. And so now he has come back to Ephesus. And he is faithfully preaching the word of God. And if you'll note, when we read in a little while, in verse 8, it says that he was in the synagogue for three months. Then in verse 9, they kind of became hardened in their hearts again, and they became disobedient, and, they, and he just walked away from them. And started another work, as we see in verse 10, in the school of Tyrannus. So he goes to this school, and he starts a ministry there that lasted two years. And I am here to say to you, as I will say in a moment or two, it is a, probably the most fruitful time of the church in, its, in our history. It started what was the movement of many churches. In fact, in the book of Revelation, the second and the third chapter, talks about the seven churches there. Those were the churches that started during this reign of ministry that Paul had in Ephesus. And so this is an amazing time. And what happens here in this particular place in Scripture, as we're going to see, is amazing miracles started to happen by God through the hands of Paul. So that even if anything he was wearing, any kind of cloth that he might have had on, any apron that he might have used, they would cut that apron up, they would send it off to someone who was sick or diseased or had an evil spirit in them, and it would, they would be well. And from that, as I mentioned to you last week, from that... Many ministries have started and kind of concocted the idea that we can, we can be healed by just a, a formula, by just some cloth or by someone who claims to be a healing minister, you know, healing meetings and stuff like that. And as I mentioned to you last week, there are some things that happen in the book of Acts that we are to read, but we cannot suppose that they will happen with us today. And we need to differentiate between the two so that we don't become confused and become uh, confused in our faith. So that we'll think that there's more coming our way than really is to become, to, to happen to us. But miracles are happening around us all day, all the time. In the first service, uh, Tanner, who we have been praying for as a church, who um, thought might not live, was here, walked in on his own. It was just a miracle. Yeah, some that know that have been praying for him realize what, a, what an amazing miracle this is. And at the end of the service, I want to share with you some of the things that God has been doing with us in these past three years, that um, his, his hand of miracles is still at work. Let me tell you, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are, we are walking miracles. We are people who have been given new life. We were dead in our trespasses and sin. But God has given us new life in Christ. So we're walking miracles as it is. And often, as I say to you, don't, don't just, just don't take these things that happen into your life as big as, or, and as small as they may be and, and just Think of them and brush them aside like they're a coincidence or, wow, how lucky was I? 
Now, I've told you this before. I try to, to, to make every, everything that happens in my life a chance and an opportunity to thank God for. You know, if I'm in a rush and I want to go to a market, some, you know, and I want to get a good parking place, I pray. You know, Lord, give me a good parking place. And then so if a parking place opens and I pull in, man, I, oh, thank you, Lord, so much, you know. And, and I would rather do that and thank the Lord and go and be with him one day in heaven and, and have him say to me, you know, that parking place, if you think in your wildest dream that I opened that up just for you, you're crazy. But thank you for thanking me for it. I'd rather he said that than, than go and look at me and say, do you know how much trouble it took for me to get that person out of that market <laughs> just in the time that you were pulling in and you pulled in and you parked there and you didn't even think to thank me for it. I, I would much rather you and I live our lives thanking our Lord for all of these things that happen on a daily basis in our lives to give him thanks and praise for the miracles that come our way in some of us just brush them aside. As you're turning to Acts chapter 19, I want to make an announcement to you, please. In your bulletin is a flyer. It's, um, it's how you and I, how we can all reach out and pray for people within our congregation. In the, um, the flyer, it is uh, directions. If you don't know how to go online and, and, and do much with a computer, I I'm, I'm sympathize with you greatly. I, uh, I'm learning. But um, you can go what is, what is called online, and you can, you can type in www.therockcommunitychurch.org, and up will pop our web page. On the left-hand side, there are different things that uh, go on in our church, and one of them is ministries. And you click on ministries with the mouse, Notice I know that term? Pretty good. Click on with the mouse and you come up ministries and then a pops up alongside are different ministries that we have. Student ministries, children's ministries, adult ministries, and also is prayer. You click on prayer and you'll find the names of all the men and women who are related to families within our church body that are currently serving in the military. I would encourage you to go on that site and pray for them on a daily basis, if you, if you don't mind. Let me tell you what we'd like for this, this website to be. We'd like for it to be a, a way of all of us being in a part of our prayer team. I know some of you can't make it to uh, the time that there is a prayer meeting. But you can certainly take time in your day to go on the website, look up the names, and, and pray for uh, some people. Also on that site you can submit your name and a prayer request that you might have. You can also share an answered prayer, a miracle that happened in your life. You can also join our prayer team. That You might not be able to make it to the site where we will be praying, but you can certainly pray at home and be a part of what God is doing in and through this church. And this church functions by the prayers of the congregation. You know, there are four things that our Lord God has ordered for us as a church that we are be, to be a, continually devoted to. And that is the teaching of the Word of God, to our fellowship with one another, to communion and to prayer. And so I would really encourage you to take a look at this site, if you would, and, and pray. And also submit to us your own prayer requests or any answered prayers that you have had. 
we want to chronicle these things and uh, we want to make note of it and let you know what is happening here at our church so that you too can know. And at the end of this service, if you don't mind, I'm going to mention some things that have been just, just out and out miracles here at this church in these last three years. Paul now is in Ephesus and he is teaching. Look at verse 8. Let's read to verse uh, 12. It says that Paul entered the synagogue and continued speaking out boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. Verse 9 tells us, But when some were becoming hardened and disobedient, speaking evil of the way before the multitude, he withdrew from them and took away the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. And this took place for two years. Verse 10, so that all who lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. We are told in verse 11 and 12, God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that handkerchiefs or aprons were even carried from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out. We need to understand this place in Scripture so that we do not be duped by those that say, um, you know, they want to sell us uh, uh, prayer cloths or miracle, uh, miracle healing services. You need to understand, and we're going to try and teach that to us today. Would you pray with me first, please? Lord, we want to look at your words, and we want to see what you are saying to us today. And we want to differentiate, Father, from what happened then when the church was beginning to where we are now. And what are our orders and what what have you called us to do? That we are to be a people who are continually devoted to the things of God, to the teaching of the apostles, the the orders that you gave to them to teach us your words. And you verified this by the miracles that they did. Also, Father, that we would be devoted to communion with, with you and with one another, remembering what you did for us on the cross and how you shed your blood in your body for us and how you rose from the dead, Father, never to die again so that you might give us life eternal. And Father, we also be continually devoted to the fellowship of this body of Christ that we would encourage and lift each other up and love one another. And then, Father, that we would pray for one another to see your miraculous and mighty hand at work. Lord, I ask you from the depth of my very heart, Father, that you would move me aside, that you would move the one who gives the message so that we might see only the glory of your Son, Jesus Christ, that your words, Father, would penetrate into our very most innermost being and that we would sense that you are, Father, present and that you are teaching and comforting us and convicting us and conforming us, Father, into your the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name, Father, that we come to worship you and glorify you. It's in his name, Father, that we give you thanks and praise. It's in the wonderful and most glorious name of your Son, Jesus Christ, that we gather together. And so, Father, may it please you that we would study your word. May it please you, Father, to teach us. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, Paul now made good on his promise. He came back to Ephesus. And what we can see is that he faithfully, in verses 8 through 10, he faithfully and boldly taught the Word of God in Ephesus. 
He was there for three months, it says in verse 8, and two years in verse 10. And what Paul did was he boldly preached the Word of God. What is the miracle? Well, miracle is a stretch, but what is amazing that is happening here is that he lasted three months in the synagogue. As a normal rule, Paul ruffled feathers long before three months was out because he would not compromise on the Word of God. He would not compromise. He believed with all of his heart, I believe, that he had to tell the people the truth. Just like it says in Ezekiel, he had to be the one that sounded the trumpet. So that if he sounded the trumpet and they heard the word, then their blood would be upon their own heads. And as God said out of that wonderful book in the 33rd chapter, then I will not account their blood upon your own hands, you who are the watchmen over this city. But God says in that same place in Scripture, if you hear me and you do not sound the trumpet and they do die in their sins, I will hold you accountable, he said. And so Paul did not want that upon his soul and neither would anybody that preaches the Word of God. And so to tell the truth is... Is, is the most important thing that you and I can do in the congregation to let the people know exactly what it is that God is saying to us. So as an adult, you can put two and two together and come up with four on your own. And you can realize whether God is speaking to your heart or not. And so Paul, like any good preacher, would want to lean people towards Jesus Christ, and that he did. It wasn't about a denomination. It wasn't about a church. It wasn't about a religious belief. It was about faith and trust in Jesus Christ for Paul. And so as Luke writes, as we're going to see next week in verse 17, but I must point this out to you. Luke wrote in verse 17 that the name of the Lord Jesus was being what? Being magnified. You see, that was Paul's motive. Paul's motive was to magnify the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. So that the people that heard him would fall in love with Jesus and not himself and not the church and not a denomination. But you and I would fall deeply in love with Jesus Christ. That's our motive here. And because Paul was teaching and magnifying the name of our Lord so magnificently, Paul, we are told in verse 11... It says that God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. But I want you to note, as we'll mention again, it was God who was doing the miracles through Paul. Now, as you well know by now, because we've been teaching it over and over again, the supernatural miracles that the apostles performed was done to give them authority, to give them credibility, and to verify that what they were saying was coming from God. That God was speaking in and through their hearts, and what they shared with the people was God's words. And so God performed a miracle in their midst so as to verify what they were teaching. And so Paul, coming back to Ephesus, because they asked him, please stay, found a very receptive group of both Jews and Greeks alike. And he began teaching them in the synagogue. But given Paul's explosive history, especially with the Jews, due to his blunt and very aggressive teaching, telling them about Jesus Christ being their Messiah, whom, I'm sure he told them, they missed and they killed upon a cross. But he says 
Have no fear. He rose from the dead to give you life. Because of his blunt teaching, it is a surprise that Paul was able to minister in this synagogue for three months. Normally, they would have kicked him out long before that. And what we do is we see that Paul moves from the synagogue to what is called a school at Tyrannus. And he begins to teach people there for two years daily. But I want to I note something. Because of what happens to Paul over and over again, I haven't, I don't think, been aggressive enough to tell you why did these people, why did the Jews, and why did those who were so agitated by Paul, why did they always kick him out? Why did they want him dead? And we learn through the Word of God that Satan manipulates those who do not believe in Jesus Christ. Tries to manipulate you and me, but definitely manipulates those that do not trust in Christ as yet. And so I want you to look at a couple of places. First, I want us to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. We know there, we see there, that, that Satan influences and darkens the minds of the unbeliever. Paul calls this person the natural man, the one who has not yet trusted in Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, Paul writes, A natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. He says, for they are foolishness to them, and they cannot understand them. Why? Because they are spiritually appraised. In other words, the Spirit of God is not within that person, and they do not understand the things of God, and they are like foolishness to them. They just can't comprehend it. I give testimony that 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 is as real as it could be. And my testimony is this. I don't know how many years ago now... Um, I don't know, maybe 15, quite a while ago. I met up with a fellow that I played baseball with that was just, uh, at this time he was on fire for the Lord. His name was Mike Brumley. And he said, I am so glad to see that you are in ministry, that what I talked to you about in my home took seed in your life and you followed through on your prayer to receive Jesus Christ. And I looked at him and I said, when did you have me in your home? He says, when we were in Oklahoma. Now, we played baseball in Oklahoma City and in Tulsa. And I remember that very well. But I do not remember having dinner with Mike and his wife. And Mike said that he gave me a Bible and that he shared the gospel with me and I prayed to receive Jesus Christ with him that night. And I think I know what happened. I thought... Anybody that believed in Jesus Christ was a fool. And so more than likely what I did was say whatever he wanted me to say so I could get the heck out of that house. And that is why here at this church, I don't want to manipulate or force any of you to come to believe in Jesus Christ. I want that to happen when the Holy Spirit moves upon your heart, quickens your heart, and, and, and allows you to know that you need a relationship with Him. And when you sense that, and when that happens in your life, I guarantee you it is real. And no one will have to convince you that you are a believer. You'll know that you have accepted the Lord. And there are many people that, that are manipulated into saying a prayer or to say some words 
And they really didn't mean it. Nothing really quickened or happened in their heart. And that was true. And with all due respect, as much as I love Mike and his wife, I did not, to my knowledge, pray to receive Jesus Christ that night. At least, I didn't think I did. Now, maybe the Lord used that. No, not maybe. The Lord used that time as a seed within me so that one day I would come to know the Lord. I'm sure of that. But I don't remember it. It was like foolishness to me. My heart was darkened. I, I didn't understand what was going on. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, is a real verse. Now look at chapter 2, excuse me, no. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4. First of all, Satan will influence and darken our minds so that we'll think the things of the Spirit of God are just nothing but foolishness. Secondly, since an unbeliever lacks the the clarification and, and the illumination from the Holy Spirit through the teaching of the Word of God, they'll fall prey to Satan who will blind their eyes and their minds. And I give testimony that 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 is true. Paul writes, In whose case the God of this world, that is none other than Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. I'm telling you, that's true, folks. If what Mike says is true, and I have no reason to believe that it wasn't true, then that day that I was at his place and having a meal with his family, I did not see it. I did not understand it. I didn't see the light of the gospel that was presented to me. I didn't see the glory of Christ, which is the very purpose, the very reason that Jesus Christ came to this earth. To open our eyes so that we might see and know Him. He appeared, He lived, He died, He rose from the dead, folks, for this very purpose. To destroy the works of the devil. And in 1 John chapter 3, and verse 8, if you want to, you can turn there. Let me read it to you. It says, the one who practices sin is of the devil. Because John writes, for the devil has sinned from the very beginning. But he writes, John writes in 1 John 3, 8, The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. Our Lord's death on the cross assured Satan his ultimate defeat. In Hebrews 2, 14, it says, Since the children, we are God's children. Since we share in flesh and blood. In other words, we're human. we got flesh and blood. He himself, the Bible says, Jesus Christ likewise also partook of the same. In other words, he became man. That through his death, he might render powerless him who had the power of death, and that is the devil. So our Lord God came to, to render powerless the things of Satan. But in the process, those who hardened their hearts and become disobedient, they become disobedient to the Word of God, and what, which is what has happened to Paul. In every case, in every case, he was thrown out of the city, or he was put in jail, or he was going to be murdered. And he escaped, and he escaped, and he escaped. And so here, back in Acts chapter 19, those people who grew angry with Paul's teaching 
were blinded and deceived by Satan. And so what they did in verse 9 is they began to speak evil of Christ. Look what it says in 9. When some were becoming hardened and disobedient, they spoke evil of the way. The way meaning the, uh, uh, the way simply is what they called Christianity in the early starts of the church. They became uh, disobedient, speaking evil of the way before the multitudes. And so Paul withdrew from them, took away the disciples, and he reasoned daily in the school of Tyrannus. You'll note he says the disciples there in verse 9. And as we reasoned with you last week, these are not disciples of John the Baptist anymore. These are not disciples of Paul anymore. They are not disciples of Apollos or Peter. Now they are disciples and followers of Jesus Christ. And that's what any true preacher will do. We'll get the people that are listening to the Word of God to fall in love, not with them or not with the church or not with a denomination, but will fall deeply in love with Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what Paul did. He withdrew and took away some of the disciples, as verse 9 says, and then he reasoned. And that word means to have dialogue teaching. In other words, to reason is in the Greek, D-I-A-L-E-G-O-M-A-I. It means to reason or to dialogue with the people. He allowed the people to speak back at him, and he answered any questions that they had. Daily he did this in a school called Tyrannus. For two years, for two years we are told in verse 10, Paul taught daily at this school. And we are told in verse 10, because of that, all, all who lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jew as well as Greek. These, verse 10 has to be the most fruitful time in the history of the church when it started, in its beginning. Because the word of God traveled all over Asia so that everyone that wanted to hear about Jesus Christ came to Ephesus just to hear the teachings of Paul. And Paul faithfully taught them for two years daily. The providence of Asia refers to Asia Minor, or what you and I call today Turkey. And it appears that during this time, those who longed to hear the Word of God Long to know this God of this great universe in which we live. Travel to Ephesus just to hear Paul teach. And all who lived in Asia then includes the seven churches found in Revelation 2 and 3, along with the church called that was formed in Colossae. In other words, the church of Ephesus, the church of Smyrna, the church of per- per- Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea. These churches, along with Colossae, was all founded and they all began during the glorious two years that Paul spent in Ephesus teaching daily. What it appears to me is, I think if you think it through, is that God's strategy for evangelism was to have His Word taught. Disciples then be born. People be born again. And that they would go back to wherever it is they lived and spread the gospel to their communities. And that's how these churches began in all of these places around Asia and in Colossae. It's much like in chapter 8. You'll remember the moment I start to remind you of it. Remember, Philip was in 
Samaria. And he was having a bona fide, wonderful ministry there. And the Spirit of God came to Philip and said, I want you to go to, the, to Gaza. I want you to go into the desert. I have a ministry for you there. Didn't tell him what, didn't tell him who, didn't tell him anything. Philip up, uprooted and went on his journey on the road to Gaza. And he's, he's on that road. He comes across this Ethiopian eunuch, remember? And as he's running alongside of his chariot, he looks up at him and he's reading out of the book of Isaiah. And Philip asks the Ethiopian, do you understand what you're reading? And he says, how can I unless somebody leads me, somebody guides me? Tell me, is this writer speaking of himself or someone who is to come? And then he invited Philip on the chariot with him and Philip led him to Jesus Christ. And the eunuch said to him, what is... What is, um, what is, um, what is uh, harming, not harming, what is keeping me from being baptized? And Philip says, nothing. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you can be baptized. And so they stopped the chariot and they saw some water and they went down and he baptized this Ethiopian eunuch. After that story, we are not told anything about this Ethiopian except history tells us, and we can look into our history books and know that this man went back to Ethiopia, back to Africa, and started one of the great revivals in that community that ever was. Great churches grew out of this man's ministry when he goes back to Ethiopia. And that's God's way normally. Just as God will use anyone in Scripture, He'll use you and me to do ministry to be his evangelists, if you would, to have a ministry out in the world in which you live. Some of you people will come in contact with friends, loved ones, neighbors that will never step foot in a church, never come to hear anyone preach a message. And you are that evangelist in their life. You can share with them the Word of God or you can just be kind to them and, and invite them to something that they might hear the message preached and come to know the Savior. And you have no idea how many people you might reach. It might be only one. But that one person you might reach might be the next Billy Graham. Who knows? Or God might have for you thousands of people that will come to Christ through your life and through a ministry that you have following Jesus Christ. And so God's strategy, it appears, for evangelism is to have the Word of God taught and for those of us that catch it, that we are to take it to our neighbors and our loved ones and wherever God would have us. Now we see something amazing happen. After all of this wonderful teaching by Paul and being disrupted by those that wouldn't listen to him and became hardened and want to be disobedient and want to say evil things about Jesus Christ and the church and, and, and the, the movement of Christianity called the way. We see in verses 11 and 12 that something amazing happens in the life of Paul. And it says in verse 11 that God, God, God Almighty was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. It wasn't Paul who was doing this, folks. It was God to verify what Paul was saying was true. And it says in verse 12, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that were that were carried from Paul's body to the sick and the disease left them and the evil spirits went out. Miracle after miracle was happening because of Paul. Let me tell you immediately, as you and I read that, 
all of what happened was purely because of God and the preaching of His Word. God was verifying that what Paul was saying was true. And he verified it by having miracles done in and through Paul's hands. But because of modern abuses and charlatans who would want to make money over a place like this in Scripture and and mail out healing cloths that will heal you or or having so-called miracle ministry tent meetings come and you will you will get your miracle and they come and they take a, abuse and 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 they uh, use those of us who are going through difficulties going through tough times and and want a miracle from God and been praying for this miracle miracle from God and so we grasp at these straws that these people say that they have and we send out for a healing cloth, maybe. and Oh, by the way, a donation would be accepted. Or we go to a, a miracle healing and donations are accepted. And I can tell you what these meetings and these cloths are. It's a, it's a Greek word. I've, I've got it written down here in the back of my Bible so I wouldn't forget it. Oh yeah, here it is. It's a bunch of baloney. <laughs> That's the only Greek I know. It's a bunch of baloney, folks. God is still healing people, but He's not doing it that way. This was a, a special time that happened within the church at that moment through the Apostle Paul. If you study the Word of God closely, you'll find that this amazing gift given by God was only used by three people, Peter, Paul, and the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. They were given this amazing healing power And this power came from God alone to verify His Word so that the people would listen. As a matter of fact, as we've been teaching, like, for instance, the gift of tongues, which I do not look down upon. If you have the gift of tongues, so be it. But to to say that that everybody should have the gift of tongues because you can read in the Bible that that people got saved and had the gift of tongues and the Spirit of God came upon us is is foolishness to, to, to try to say that. We see there are four times that the gift of tongues was, was apparent within the family of God. Number one, it was on the day of Pentecost. When Peter preached his message, it says they were speaking with tongues and prophesying. It was a verification that God was moving through Peter and the church was to start. And then when the church dispersed and there became like a persecution and they all left and they went to Samaria, when they were at Samaria and they reached the Samaritans, the The Bible says that those Samaritans that came to know the Lord spoke in tongues and prophesied to verify that what happened in in Jerusalem at the day of Pentecost is the same thing that happened to the Samaritans. They were both in the same grouping. And then when Peter went off into the the Gentiles and when God spoke to him by lowering that that blanket down and, and, and saying, go ahead, Peter, eat. And he says, I've never eaten anything clean. And God said to Peter, what I have cleansed, let no one say it's unclean. And then he told him that he could go to the Gentiles. And Peter went to the Gentiles. And when he led those people to Christ, the first thing they did to verify that this movement happened to them is they spoke in tongues and they prophesied. And then last week we saw when those who were the Old Testament saints who had not yet heard of the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ, they only knew the baptism of John the Baptist, 
when, when, when Paul led them to Christ, what we saw last week is they immediately spoke in tongues and prophesied. It was a verification that they were all common in the same body. And today our verification is clear. It is the Word of God. This is our verification. We don't need anything else. This is what is common for those of us that know and love the Lord. To hear the Word of God preached and to react to what God is saying to our hearts. And so I would ask you now to just respectfully kind of close your Bibles. And listen, though, we have another ten minutes. What we're going to see next week is how God deals with those who wish to use this power of healing for their own purpose and how God deals with it. It's kind of comical, to be honest with you. But let me ask you a question as you're closing your Bibles. I want to ask you, do you believe that God still does amazing miracles today? You don't have to answer out loud. But I tell you, resoundingly, without hesitation, yes, God does miracles today. And miracles will always follow the teaching of His Word. Let me just mention a few of the miracles that we've seen happen here in this church in just the last three years. One of them was in the first service, which I didn't know, Tanner, who we thought was going to die. And there were men and women that, of this church that prayed faithfully for him. No, Bill, you don't want me to say this, but, but you and a number of people did. And lifted him up, encouraged him. And he walked into this church today, young Tanner. But people throughout the country, this world in which we live, are hearing the word of God. It's a miracle. Some people have traveled to Europe and, and they, they wanted to hear our messages and so they, they encouraged us, would you please go online? Let us hear your messages through our computer. And now today, because of them, there are people listening to the Word of God through this church in Oklahoma, in Thailand, in Texas, all over Europe. And now many of the soldiers in Iraq and overseas are hearing the Word of God through computers because of young people in our church who are over there that took the Word of God to them. And so I say, if, if you are listening to this and you're overseas, we love you. We will continue to pray for you. We love you so much. A couple who lived together more than 17 years outside the bonds of marriage came to believe more deeply in their Lord and Savior Jesus Christ sitting here listening week in and week out. And they decided they needed to get right before God. And so they got married, make their living together right before their newly found Savior and Lord. It was a miracle. God provided for this church through other churches, through other buildings, through people for these three years. Our first two services were at the Garden Church, thanks to a pastor named Byron Crow. He heard that we were not going to be over at the other church anymore. So I heard that you're looking for a place and you can come in our building for, for two weeks. And he opened up his doors. And then we moved from there to the Cinema City Theaters. Always at risk that they could have closed the doors on us on a, week, on a moment's notice. Our first Easter was at Hope University. They opened up the doors for us. Followed by moving to the Forum Theater. But they told us there are certain dates that you just can't be here. We got certain things planned. And we said, it's fine. The Lord will provide. And sure enough, a pastor by the name of Cliff Sampson and, 
in Yorba Linda at First Baptist Church opened up this door for us so that we could meet on Saturday evenings there when we couldn't be at the Forum Theater. And we were like a bunch of nomads. We were going from one place to another. I, I told you it was like hide and seek. You know, we'll try and let you know where we are. But in these three years, in these three years, folks, in these three years, we have not once missed a weekend, neither a Saturday nor a Sunday of church. And I have some pastor friends of mine saying to me, that is impossible. That was a miracle. It was. It was God's hands moving. We wouldn't be in this building that we are in today without God's providential hand upon a landlord who is a believer in Jesus Christ who has done exceedingly, abundantly, beyond and above anything that he would normally do for any group of people. Our landlord has put his own financial situation at risk for us, giving us the credit that we didn't really have so as that we could move into this building. A newborn was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer. And so the doctor said they had to amputate her arm and her shoulder. We began to pray for her and miraculously God healed her and the doctors couldn't believe it. And today she is a beautiful toddler able to run and play with her playmates. Fully healed. Through you, you might not even know this. I, I didn't realize it. Abused children and families in the Orange County area have had blessed Christmases each year. A nonprofit Christian group was so overwhelmed by our, your kindness, they truly saw Christ through this church body. They called it a miracle of what we did for those young people who were um, abused children and families as we gave them Christmases. Ten weeks into what we call our student ministries 180 degrees, five students accepted Jesus Christ and 19 accepted the challenge of the 180 group and are following the Lord daily, walking with Him. That's a miracle. The paving of our parking lot was donated from, from members of our congregation, freely donated. They just saw the problem that we had out there and they came with their machines, their materials, and their own labor to, to pave the the parking lots that we have. God blessed us providing with quality used furniture in our offices. We were content. We had cardboard, you know, card tables and, and folding chairs. It's fine. But two different families came up and saw our need. One, both of their businesses were, were kind of, uh, they were getting, they were through with it. I don't know what they were going to do. But they met our need. One family had the exact number of desks that we were looking for and needed. All of them matched. The other family had the exact type and style of cubicles that we were looking for in our upstairs, and they provided us with those things. Against all odds, one young girl diagnosed with blindness in one eye is starting to see light in that eye. And the doctors are amazed. But we know what's going on. We realize and recognize that God is doing another miracle in another person's life in our midst so that we would be encouraged by who he is and continue to teach the word of God and continue to follow after him and continue to see what he will do in and through your life and my life if we'll just be obedient. And so if you have any miracle, if you have something that you want us to pray for, if you have something that you want to chronicle in our church that this has happened, we would really count it a privilege if you would 
write us an email. Just go see the person if you want to, but anyone on staff, I guess the, 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 the person that you can write to is kw at psalm61.org, and we will chronicle what is going on in and through your lives, and we will let you know, as a church family, the miracles that God is doing in our midst. I am amazed by Paul. I am thankful for Paul because Paul would never compromise the word. He didn't try to lead people into a comfortable believism. He led people into a hard reality of Jesus Christ, knowing that they were adults, knowing that they can make a decision on their own to follow or not to follow him. And that's what I want for you. I want you to hear the truth. I don't want you to fall in love with this church. I don't want you to fall in love with the pastor. I don't want you to fall in love with the staff or our denomination, which we aren't a denomination. I want you to fall in love with Jesus Christ. Know him. Love him. Watch him work miracles in and through your lives. And when you come to know Christ, him and he alone, as your Lord and as your Savior, it will be real to you. And you will want to follow him all the days of your life. So let's pray. Father, please, would you touch our hearts? Let us see the miracles that you are doing in our midst even now. And that we will stand in awe, Father, of who you are. And give you thanks and praise you for the wonders of of your grace and kindness upon us as a body of believers. Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the the privilege that I have to be here. Father, you know very well I love these people with all my heart. I thank you that you've given me the privilege to be a part of this group at this time. And Father, may we make full use of it. May we honor you, live for you. May we do the things, Father, that you have called for us to do. Show us, Father. Show us your kindness through the miracles that you lay before us. Let us take none of them for granted. Now, thank you, Father, for this time. May we go from here, wherever it is you might take us, and may we find a place of peace with you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I love you all so much. Thank you so much for being here. Have a great day.